Thank you, Joel. Thank you. So Dr. Maxwell Maltz, the world-famous plastic surgeon, best known for his bestseller, Psycho-Cybernetics, tells a remarkable story of sacrificial love. A man had been burned badly and badly disfigured in a house fire while attempting to save his parents from that burning house. But he couldn't reach them, and they perished. So he mistakenly interpreted his pain as God's punishment So he cloistered himself in his room, and he wouldn't let anyone come to see him, not even his wife. His wife went to Dr. Maltz and asked him for help. He said, don't worry, I can restore your husband's face. But the wife was unimpressed and unenthused. You see, her husband had repeatedly refused help, and she knew that he would refuse again. Then why the visit, Dr. Maltz asked her. And she said, I want you to disfigure my face so that I can be like him. If I could share his pain, maybe he would let me back into his life. Dr. Maltz was shocked. And of course, he denied her request. But he was so moved by her love for her husband, he asked that he might be able to come and speak with her husband. Knocking on the bedroom door, he called loudly, I am a plastic surgeon, and I can restore your face. No response. Please come out, he said. Again, no response. Still speaking through the door, Dr. Maltz told the man of his wife's proposal. She wants me to disfigure her face, to make her face like yours in hopes that you will let her back into your life. That's how much she loves you. There was a moment of silence. And then, ever so slowly, the doorknob began to turn. Did you know that this is the kind of sacrificial love that God has for you? Do you know that? Only in God's case, he not only offered to be disfigured, he actually did it. He actually did it. He took on our face. He took on our disfigurement. He became like us. And so if you've ever wondered if there was anything that was separating you from the love of God, that question has already been answered. It's already been answered. You see, he lit His answer was lit in the sky with a star so that we would see it. He filled the night with a choir of angels so that we would hear it. And he did what no one has ever done or believed he would do. He became flesh and dwelt among us. He stepped out of the throne room of heaven and became flesh. He gave up heaven, which I understand is a pretty awesome place. He gave it up to be with you and me. He gave up being with his father, the best father that ever was, so he could enter our world knowing that he would be rejected, mocked, 
beaten, and ultimately crucified by the very ones he had come to save. If you were God, would you do that? I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't. But Jesus did. Jesus did. Why did he do it? Because love puts the beloved before itself. That's what love does. Love puts the beloved before itself. And God knew that this kind of love, this kind of sacrificial love, would cover all of our secrets. It would cover all of our brokenness, all of our hurts, our broken promises, every drug taken, every harsh word ever spoken, every selfish act covered. And if you're like me, and you think about the long list of grievances that would separate you from God, there are many. There are many. Your place in heaven was more important to him than his place in heaven, so he gave up his so you could have yours. Did you catch that? Your place in heaven was more important to him than his place in heaven. So he gave up his so you could have yours. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and anyone that would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You can put your name in there. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. There's a poem that I read uh, recently by Oscar Hammerstein titled, Love Isn't Love. And it goes like this. A bell is not a bell till you ring it. A song is not a song till you sing it. Love in your heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love till you give it away. You see, every time you hear Christmas music, Every time you see the lights on the tree or the candles or the poinsettias, or even when you're sipping that peppermint latte at Starbucks, all of these things should be reminders of what Christ has done for you. Just how far he would go to express his love for you. And why would he do it? Because that's what love does. That's what love does. You see, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, and it's all because of the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, when they fell. You see, God created them in a perfect place, in paradise, where there was nothing broken, where there was nothing wrong. There were no tears. Everything was in perfect alignment, no sickness, no death. It was paradise. And God gave them dominion over everything in that garden, everything. The only thing that he asked of them, the only thing, was that they refrain from partaking of one fruit from one tree in the center of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And of course, you know what happened next. The devil came, he deceived Adam and Eve, and then they did the one thing that God had asked them not to do. They partook of that fruit. They believed that God was somehow holding out on them. And as a result, sin spread throughout all mankind. 
And all of us have been separated from God ever since. But Adam and Eve, although separated from God, they were not separated from his love. Physically separated from God, but not separated from his love. You see, God loved them and continued to love them. He just hated their sin. He hated their sin. In John 10.10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. If someone that you loved was caught up in some form of addiction, you would still love them, but you would hate the sin. You would hate the addiction. You would hate what it was doing to that person. You would hate what it was doing to your relationship. You would hate the fact that it's robbing them of the very thing about them that is beautiful. But you'd still love them. You'd still love them. So what was God's response to this separation, this brokenness? Christmas. Christmas. He sent his only son so that we could be free from the chains of sin and death. He became accountable for our sins. His righteousness became ours. He gave up everything so that we could have everything. And why did he do it? Because that's what love does. That's what love does. And when the angel appeared to Mary, God is revealing his willingness to take yet another step toward us in a series of steps that he had already taken to reconcile us. You see, before he had established a covenant with us. Be faithful to me, and I will be faithful to you. But we weren't faithful. Then he wrote down the commandments on stone tablets so we wouldn't lose them. But we broke them. And we broke the tablets as well. Then he simplified the commandments to just two. Just two commandments. Love me and love your neighbor. But even that was too much to ask. We couldn't do it. So humanity remained alienated and isolated from God. And an atonement was necessary. An atonement. Somebody had to pay for those sins. If you had been alive before Christ came, and you wanted to deal with your sin, you would have bought a perfect little lamb. A lamb without blemish. And you would have taken that lamb to the priest, and that priest would have prayed for you while you laid your hands on that little lamb. And as he was praying, and as your hands were laid upon that lamb, he would sacrifice that lamb as an atonement for your sin. Your sin and your brokenness would be transferred to that perfect lamb, and the perfection of that lamb, the perfection signified by that lamb would be transferred to you, and you would be free from your sin. The problem is that you couldn't make it through the rest of the day without sinning again. And there just weren't enough lambs to pay for the multitude of sins. So what could God do? What could God do? He sent a perfect sacrifice. 
A sacrifice that would pay for sins not only in the past or in the present, but in the future as well. Remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming down toward the Jordan? Do you remember what he said? He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why would Jesus do that? Because that's what love does. And during this Advent season, much of the world is distracted by lesser loves. By lesser loves, i.e. the fat man in the red suit. Finding the perfect Christmas gift. Traveling. Holiday parties. In-laws. We are seeking our first love as Christians. We want to seek our first love during this Advent season. The love that comes down at Christmas. The ultimate display of God's sacrificial love, the kind of love that would go to any length to bring about reconciliation, to allow us to know at the deepest point of our being that we are loved unconditionally. Do you know how some Christians celebrate in Africa? For days, they fast and pray. They fast and pray. There are no Christmas trees, no Santa Claus, no reindeer, no elves, no decorations, no exchanging of gifts. Just a simple prayer. A simple prayer that Jesus would be born again in their hearts. Isn't that beautiful? We have made Christmas into something entirely different from that. And we need to bring it back. When the angel appeared to Mary, she was invited to join God in the unfolding story of God's redemptive plan. Not as a spectator, but as a participant. And he's asking the same of you and me. He is inviting us into his redemptive plan. Now, he could have done it all by himself, apart from you and me, but he has a name that he must live up to, and it's this, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He wants to be with us. Now, many of us struggle. Many people struggle with the whole meaning of love. We get caught up in the feelings of love. We get overwhelmed with falling in and out of love. And we talk about love all the time, but we really don't know what it means. We hope when we're saying or receiving those words, I love you, that it means I choose you, I'm with you, I'm for you. But unless love acts, it's just a desire or a sentiment, a nice thought. But the kind of love that we find in Advent is different from that. It's a different kind of love. It's a deeper love. It's the kind of love that comes to us and declares something over us. Something over us. And God wants us to know how his love operates. How it works its way into our hearts. And into our purpose. 
And he shows us all of this on Christmas. You see, in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a child is given. Instead of coming as a conquering king, he enters our world in a weak, feeble, helpless, needy, and dependent state, just like we come into the world. That's how he enters. Fully God and yet fully human. His promise fulfilled in weakness and in humility. Why did he do it? Because that's what love does. That's what love does. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss how important love is to God. It's of the utmost importance. You see, there would be no gospel, the good news, without love. And anything that we do for him or have done for him, casting out demons, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, doing his toy store on a Saturday, it means nothing if we have not love. In this season of Advent, of anticipation, you have experienced just how much God loves you. Or have you? Have you experienced how much God loves you? Have you recognized, have you felt his presence? Do you see the colors and the lights and the symbolism and all that really means to you and me? If you're not feeling it, I would ask God for that this Christmas. That you might have the ability to love and be loved like Jesus to experience the depth of his love and then to express that love in everything you say and do. You see, New Yorkers are known for a lot of things, but being loving is not one of them. <laughs> Let's change that. We should change that. We should endeavor to change that. Let's think about what it means to be loved by God. Just think of it for a moment. What would you need to experience the love that God has for you? How can he prove it to you? What would it look like to be a conduit of that kind of love to everyone that we come into contact with? What would that look like? Why would we do that? Because that's what love does. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for entering our world in the most counterintuitive way. Entering our world in humility, emptying yourself of everything, separating yourself willingly from your Father and all the trappings of heaven. for the sole purpose of reconciling us to you, to express the depth of your love to us so that we might be reunited with you, free from the chains of sin and death, and equipped to love others the way you have loved. Lord, help us to do it, because that's what love does.
In Jesus' name, amen.